The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So good afternoon, um, welcome, welcome back, or welcome for the first time to another afternoon of the Eightfold Path here with dear friends and um, Liz and Liz and Chris. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm Bruni, my name is Bruni. So today um, we are going to start with uh, the third group of uh, factors of the Eightful Path. But before going into it, um, I want to check, are there any questions from uh, this past month teachings on uh, right livelihood? Is there anything that you want to um, ask, comment um, anything? Okay. Seems like, you know, there may be questions about also other factors, but uh, it's always nice to check in how was your past month, and it's fine to, to pass on it, too. Um <clears throat> So yes, so these, these third group of the Eightfold Path, we have three categories in which these factors are uh, grouped within the Eightfold Path. And um, the first group, wise view and wise intention, supported us into exploring the second group, also, which is the, um, a, the group of wise livelihood, uh, wise speech, wise action, and wise livelihood, right? And so wise wisdom and wise intention um, being the, the group that we call the, the wisdom, the wisdom group, is... Um, is one that can support us along the entire path. We started with it um, to give us a direction or a perspective that could be useful in, in guiding us as we start a new path, as we engage in all the different practices that we have uh, talking about. And we can go back over and over, over, and over again to those factors. Um, and then we moved into this, the, the group of sila, the group of um, a, a morality or ethics, um, the one that includes actions and speech and livelihood. And with that group, we were able, or, you know, we still can practice with it, we, we are able to look at how it is that we relate externally, how it is that we relate to the world and to others through our actions, through our speech, uh, how it is that we live in the world, give and receive, um, consume and produce. And so with this third, third group that we start today, um, we start with the practices of mental training or cultivation of the mind. So we have been practicing a little bit already in it, but these are like direct practices. 
is um, direct practices that will support us in cultivating the mind. Um, I remember when I started the practice, and I, I will. I, I love what I'm going to show you right now. Um, it's a transmission of teachers through teachers through teachers from Tanisara, Ankitasaro, and uh, Dara Williams. You know, we start. Sometimes we come to the practice with a mind full of stuff. Full of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in it. <laughs> There's everything you can imagine, work, even, you know, your back, you try to put it, everything. You put it, you know, it, it overflows, right? And so we, look, it doesn't sound very clear, right? It's not, it, this stayed with me because I could relate so much to that sound at the beginning. It's like, oh my gosh, I can barely see what is going on in my life and in my mind. But as we start practicing, then the sound, the understanding, still, becomes clearer. It becomes... um, It becomes easier to see things, to understand. Um, And so with this phase of uh, mental training, then these three factors, and we're going to start with effort, is the first factor of that group, uh, followed by mindfulness and followed by concentration. That those three factors are going to support and are going to be supported by the other factors that we've been cultivating. So you see, it's a whole interrelationship within, you know, one factor with the other, with the other. Um, And so this factor of the wise effort, we're going to go, into it to see how it is that is 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 almost like some people call it care the caretaker of our inner life the caretaker of our mind and so to to start exploring it we're going to um, we're going to engage in in it um within the felt experience with a guided meditation and then I, I will explain a little bit more about what, what it is, what, how it is that we understand it intellectually. Um, <clears throat> but be, let's start with a guided meditation. And I will... Um, I will guide you. <laughs> Um, into the presence and into setting the intention of being here and practice. So taking a posture that supports you, an alert, relaxed, relaxed posture, Maybe a posture that supports you with dignity and respect and kindness. Just remembering your intention of being here. And maybe bringing or becoming conscious of some level of confidence and trust
that you have developed or that maybe even you don't know you have, but that in some way it was enough for you to be here right now, today, practicing in community. Taking two or three deep breaths and just trusting in the natural breathing of the body. No need to prove or guide or design anything as the body breathes itself. Then so resting, trusting, while keeping your attention in a kind and deliberate way. your attention in the physical sensations, in the physicality of your posture. In the physical sensations that come from the inside out as you breathe in, as you breathe out. Meeting, noticing the expansion of the lungs, of the rib cage. Maybe the widening of the chest, relaxing of the shoulders. bringing your attention kindly over and over again, starting a new exercising your intention, your aspiration of cultivating well-being, wellness for your mind, heart, body. Recognizing that as physical sensations are known, the tingling, pressure, expansion, contraction, as physical sensations are known, also your presence is known here. Aware 
receiving. Receiving respectfully whatever shows up for you. Could be a thought that comes and goes, could be an emotion. And could be a physical sensation. Could be the softness of your inhale and exhale. Just letting the intention of kindness, compassion, and generosity of dedicating this time to practice, to cultivate your mind. to support others in their practice and support yourself just by your presence. By your intention and by your effort An effort that doesn't have to be too much, maybe sometimes. An effort that just could be to be here, right now. An effort that could be to meet, to get to know your breath, an in-breath or an out-breath, from beginning to middle to end. As you relax into it, as you stay with it softly, kindly, and with some alertness.
aware of sounds, breath, body. Aware of any kind of felt confidence, trust in your body. Confidence and trust that is felt within any part of the body. Confidence that reminds you maybe of some fruits that you have received from your efforts in practicing and being here. Confidence guided maybe by something is not that is not clear to you yet, but that tells you. This is the place to be here, right now. It has value, it has benefit. Relaxing in this moment. For which you have set some of the conditions. Like being here, reflecting on practices, putting some interest into the reflections, or just receiving, being open in whatever way you can as you do your best, independent of results or outcome, just showing up. A relaxed, alert effort, a balanced effort, infused with your awareness, your presence, your intention. As we 
transition into ending this meditation. See if you can expand your awareness to have a felt sense of your body, your physical presence, the presence of others, the space. And as you hear the sound of the bell, maybe with a light effort, see how how much effort does it take to receive the sound of the bell and stay with it from beginning to middle to end. So, wise effort. (coughs) Or right effort. There are different ways in which different teachers uh, refer to it. Um, But like I said before, you know, in the tradition, it is said that is the caretaker of our mind, of our inner life, our inner development. And, um, you know, there are different types of efforts that we put into different aspects of our lives. You know, we put effort into our relationships and um, having a livelihood and um, you know being healthy, uh, taking care of ourselves, but then, as we go into the practice, there are other aspects of applying effort to other areas of our lives. And like I said, now it's like this area of, okay, so after I take care of all these different things, to be able to be in the world and sustain myself. And so what else? What else is there for me to look at? Is there anything else, you know? Is there um, anything else that needs to be taken care of? And it could be, you know, all of us may have a different answer to this question. It's kind of a, an inquiry and reflection for some of us. You know, what is next? Or are we, do we keep, you know, putting our efforts in uh, keeping things that we achieve in our lives, our goals or, um, you know, our jobs or... Um, you know, what, what else is there? 
So within the Eightfold Path, wise effort gives us different ways to apply ourselves into looking at what would be next as a step of going into, okay, maybe what is next is what is, what is inside this inside this being? What is in this mind? Because sometimes we're out there <clears throat> taking actions, speaking, acting, living, and we don't even know some of the beliefs, some of the uh, impulses or action or uh, uh, impulses or tendencies that motivated and supported some of the actions that we take in our daily lives. So, in caring, caring for ourselves and also caring for others, there's this wise effort on. And we exercise it by applying it in four different ways. I will talk about the first two, and Liz is going to talk about the second two ways. Um, and um, the, the first two are uh, preventing an abandon, um, negative uh, ways of acting. So preventing, um, and I will say maybe how it is in the how it is explaining the teachings, preventing unwholesome actions from arising. And the second one, abandoning Eve. They're already here. We didn't notice. Oof. Okay, I'm in the middle of something here. I don't know how to relate to it then how it is that we can abandon unwholesome states of mind and incline the mind into another direction that will create well-being. And so it's not so much, I want to clarify, it's not so much as you know, identifying these different ways of being as you know, wrong or, you know, wrong or, or good, you know, not in a judgmental way, but the way in which the tradition uh, explains it is what is skillful, what is, what is useful, what is skillful for our lives. And then that translates into what? Into wholesome qualities. What skillful actions we can take to cultivate wholesome qualities of the mind heart. And what is unskillful? Unskillful mental factors, tendencies, opinions, or you name it, intention, impulses that will support unwholesome states of mind and actions that will cause harm to ourselves, to others, and to all. So this thread this theme of avoiding creating harm, become a safe person for ourselves and others, is all through the Eightfold Path and is also integrated into wise effort. And so what is about you know, this wise effort is, okay, once we're able through our practice to recognize what is skillful and what is not skillful, we recognize it, then we can distinguish it. We can distinguish what is unskillful, unwholesome, from what is wholesome, skillful. And guess what? We have choice. It's really hard to recognize when we have choice. If we don't know what is going on in the mind, if we don't know how to distinguish and differentiate it, it's like, wow, I have a choice here. I can choose how I respond. I can definitely see that there may be 
a way that if I act or if I incline the mind this way, it will have beneficial consequences. Or maybe not. So, wise effort, the caretaker of our inner development, is about distinguishing, being able to distinguish wholesome states of mind for unwholesome states of mind, and then give us that opportunity of freedom, giving us that opportunity of choice. So, in preventing the unwholesome, we can start by recognizing some of our ways of being, and we can set conditions. The preventing could be about setting conditions for, for um, preventing from these, these states of mind to arise. So, for example, I know that in other occasions it's been confusing to me. I don't know why. And, you know, don't, I'm not looking for a reason or anything like that at this point. Kindly, I look at myself. Is the class at 1 or 1.30? Is it, you know, it's like after all these times I've been here, 1 or 1.30. And I can see the mind, like, you know, teeny tiny felt experience of contraction of, with no judgment, Oh, look at this. Let me just prevent here. Let me see. I look at the schedule. Okay. Let me, let, and let me, let me, I'm, I want to be there on time. Let me look at the traffic. How early will be nice to get there. So I set conditions to cultivate a state of mind that, that creates ease, that creates well-being for me to be here at ease with you, you know, relaxing, and let's see, you know, I did my best. Let's see what happens after. Other things, it could be, you know, other bigger um, circumstances. It may be, and I love this example that um, um, Gil um, gave because there are so many ways in which we can struggle. You know, there are so many ways and activities and things that we don't even notice that we struggle and that we can do something to prevent getting into getting entangled into them. So, if I'm uh, sober, let's say if I'm uh, someone that uh, stopped drinking. And I want to, to keep cultivating that sobriety. One way of doing that could be, or, or any other, you know, any other addiction uh, could be eating ice cream. That's one of, of I, I just love eating ice cream too. So preventing would be not to go to a bar or not to go to the grocery store hungry or wanting something really sweet, you know, because I know that I'm going to get a pint of raspberry chocolate chip ice cream from Greater Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> and, you know, then the story starts. It's like, wow, yes, I do remember. And I will not get one, one pint. I will get two. One to eat now and one to eat later. So preventing, you know, in preventing, there's setting the conditions. There is avoiding and restraining, avoiding and restraining. So by setting conditions, I'm avoiding, you know, I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to eat. I'm going to, 
you know, if I want some ice cream, I can just invite a friend, just go for one scoop or something like that. But I will avoid taking myself to, you know, that path. So then there's the restraining. There's the restraining. And I, you know, it's interesting. I love this word of restraining, um, Interesting, at the beginning of the, of the practice, I was like, and, wow, restraining, that sounds like really hard. I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> but there's so much freedom in restraining. It's restraining to move into freedom. And we have been practicing with that. We've been practicing with the precepts when we uh, talked about wise action. The precepts is one way of restraining, one way of, you know, cultivating this being safe for oneself and for others. So restraining and avoiding help us in preventing. Restraining, in some ways, it could be, you know, other senses. You know, restraining our senses is really what it is restraining our senses in a healthy way, in a caring way, remembering our intention. And so there's this effort. There's this, okay, this is how I'm going to make this effort. And with that effort, there's a little bit of energy. You know, there's this energy of, okay, I don't know if I can do this. Or, or I have enough here. Or, you know, do I need support? I remember the practices from the other factors. I remember the perspective of wise view, of clinging. You know, that when I clean, where's my, when I clean like this, it creates some stress. But when I hold an experience, when I open, I'm open myself to an experience by looking at it, be with it. Then is 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 easier, you know. This effort of holding this is kind of there is this way, and there is this other way. I'm still holding this experience. I'm still here, present, with my intention. So, the first effort, the first way of applying effort to um, prevent unwholesome to arise, we can do that by avoiding and restraining. And then there is the other Okay, there is the other way of relating or applying effort to unwholesome states and is the way of abandoning, abandoning. So, you know, it's really nice, it's really nice to hear all this thing I just heard, I, I just told you, you know, someone else told me, Chris told me when I started this path, you know, like, yeah, you can set conditions, Gil talks about it, teachers talks about it, but what about when we're in the middle of it, when we're entangled, when we're struggling, sometimes we notice how we got there, but we, well, I'm used to it, and so we just go there, you know, okay, okay, whatever. You know, there's even some indifference to it. Or there's like, oh my gosh, I don't, I, I don't know how did I get there, but I really tried, just couldn't. Well, there are ways. The teachings also give you practices where you can abandon unwholesome states. And so... Um, it could be <laughs> it could be as easy as to say one way there's several ways so I will give you like kind of a range there's a, the way of stop it stopping it 
just stop it. <laughs> and I just, I'm just laughing because there's this great comedy show. What is the name of this guy? Bob? Bob Newhart that had a chapter on stop it, stop it, but, but, this story and this other stop it. <laughs> it's almost for me has been like kind of a growing up into the practice that there's sometimes I just want to go stay with, but, you know, I just had all these stories, opinions, qualities, tendencies, and, you know, that's how I am. Stop it. Stop it. Now that you recognize it, you have choice. Now you can say it with, you know, this lightness and humor, but with kindness also. So sometimes that doesn't work. <laughs> right? And if that doesn't work, there may be the practice. There may be practicing mindfulness. And then seeing, okay, this is what is here. Actually, don't abandon it that uh, too quick or too fast, like rejecting it or avoiding it. Oh, I don't want to deal with this. But maybe there's some investigation that needs to happen that for you to see what is this? How does it feel? What, how, what, 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 is, what is going on here? So that we get to know it well, respectfully. Like maybe, you know, sometimes I remember those relationships that sometimes are hard, and still by showing up with respect and showing up with care, we can relate in different ways. So, um, so by investigating, getting to know it, not dwelling on it, but then say, okay, now I'm going to, I know this, and now I'm going to move, incline my mind, and here we are in community with spiritual friends that can also support us. In, okay, I can give you a call if I'm, going into that trap and just reminds me of, you know, what kind of wise effort I can do here. Um, there could be also moments in which it is really, really hard. And even if you're having support of your community or um, you're aware this shows up, and then there is a lot of effort, a lot of effort, and really trusting that in what, you know, you really trust in your intention of cultivating well-being for yourself. It took me a while to be here speaking, you know, public speaking, I've read that is one of those things that for many people is like creates a lot of different unwholesome states. Um, but you know, when you see that your intention benefits others, benefit you, and there's love and care, I'm just, okay, I'm just going to walk in, even if my knees are shaking, I'm just going to go in and... I'll do my best. But it takes, it takes effort, a lot of effort. And so we go there. We go there too, you know. Um, so abandoning, abandoning unwholesome states when they have already arisen. Um, there may be other moments in... Um, in our inner life, that we may see other uh, states of mind that we do need to take care and of, and, and that the practice, the tradition, give us different antidotes. They're the hindrances, um, what we call the hindrances, or states of mind that block or that make difficult to develop mindfulness and concentration. 
you know, unhealthy desire, um, aversion, the whole range of aversion, irritation, frustration, greed, hatred, um, sloth and torpor, the mental inertia of the mind or um, just moments you just don't see yourself moving uh, forward or doing something. Doubt, you know, sometimes the doubt of, I've been there, it's like, what, what is it that I'm practicing? I don't know. <laughs> but as we continue showing up, we keep those tendencies at bay. These hindrances, we keep them at bay. We recognize, you know, these seeds of greed, aversion, and confusion, or delusion is also called. But we see them and say, I see you, it's part of being human being. We all, is not a failing, it's not right or wrong. But then as we say, oh, okay, I remember how can I take care of my mind, I remember wise view, wise intention. I remember how I got into harmony and clarity with practicing wise speech, action, livelihood. All that will support, will support us. So I'm going to end with that. Abandoning and preventing unwholesome states is the first part of distinguishing, recognizing what is going on in our inner life. And now I'm going to pass it to Chris for our next activity. Thank you. Which I need the sheet for. So this exercise that we want to do is a little bit related to a topic I feel like saying a bit, little bit about before we get into it because it, it isn't so directly related to what Bernie was talking about. But sometimes people hear the word effort, you know, and I don't know if that's what you came to meditation practice for was to make more effort. So sometimes it might hit you the wrong way. So there's a lot of some teachings about balancing effort, and one of the most famous ones is the this lute player who comes to the Buddha, and he's getting, he's practicing really intensely, but he's just getting more and more unhappy somehow. I forget the exact context, and the Buddha says, well, you know, when you're gives him the analogy of tuning the lute, if it's too tight, you know, it the strings break and it makes a brittle sound, and if it's too loose, it won't make the right sound at all. So you have to have the string on a stringed instrument tuned just right. So that's the analogy for what's wise effort. You know that that it's an interesting exploration. What's effort? What's unwise effort? And what's enough? And what's too little? And how to make effort? And what is what is the effort to relax? You know, that's a kind of a paradox that's at the heart of some of what we're doing. So this um, exercise is a little bit inviting you to explore this aspect of effort, your kind of your history with effort. So why don't you get in groups of three? Um, oh, I don't know. Let's do four. We usually do four. We'll hear different points of view. Get in groups of four. Change my mind. <laughs> see if you see if you can find four. If you can't, if you're an orphan, come up toward the front and meet the other orphans, and maybe we can get a group. What? Well, there must be more people. I mean, let's see if we can. Let's see what we've got. There's two orphans over there. Why don't you? Okay. Is everybody in groups of four? Okay. Well, why don't you why don't you guys join? One of you join them, and maybe somebody can join somewhere else. Amy, are you participating in this? Okay, there we go. Okay. Lynn, are you participating? 
Okay, there's a fourth out here. So you guys have a fourth. Oh, you're in a group. Okay. All right. Never mind. Okay, be a group of three. That's fine. Can you, you want to be with them? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so here's the question. First question, there are actually two questions. Um, we'll just do them one at a time. So what associations and experiences do you have with making effort that you might bring to your Dharma practice that are not helpful? Okay, Any, anything, any habits that you know you have around the notion of making effort that maybe you might want to become aware of that you might bring to your Dharma practice? Does that make sense? So we'll just do this going around style, you know, try to get around a couple times. We'll have about seven minutes for this go around, and then we'll ask a second question. Yeah. What associations or experiences or habits do you have around the idea of making effort that might not be helpful in Dharma practice, in meditation practice, or in working with the Eightfold Path, or working with your mind and your heart. You understand? Okay. Okay. Just go around. Yeah, put in something and say a little something and go around. So we'll get around a couple of times. Okay, there's a second question to go around on, which is just the flip side. Maybe you've already been discussing it, but what kinds of effort have you found helpful in your meditation and Dharma practice? What understanding of effort, you might say? When you feel like I'm making wise effort in my practice, what does that feel? What is that for you? Is that, it's just the flip side, but different ways of looking at how... What is wise effort for you with regard to meditation and and practicing with the path so far this year? Okay, so we'll just go around some more. Okay, so we have a few minutes. I wonder if anyone would like to share anything that came up out of that. Or questions or anything? Hi, my first um, impression of this, what about effort doesn't get you the result you want? I felt that trying too hard and getting too intense about it didn't get me where I wanted to go. And in my group, it was kind of like that, too. Setting the bar too high, we wouldn't do it. But if you set the bar low enough, then you get into it, and you do it longer than you expected. So that was... Pretty much what we came up with. Uh, What I found was that when I was listening to many people's advice, you should set the time and it's best to meditate in the morning and then I would meditate in the morning, but then I found that it didn't always work because my schedule is totally messed up. And then I meditate in the evening, but sometimes I feel tired in the evening and I don't want to meditate in the evening. So I came up with the strategy, as long as I meditate every day, it doesn't matter when I meditate. And 
it was a big deal for me to let go of other people's instructions as to how I'm supposed to do it. You know. Uh, thank you. Uh, I also brought up in our group that I think we're, hin we're hindered by the English language and culture where we're told there's a right way and a wrong way. And uh, that means there's only one way. <laughs> and that you judged if you're right, you know, or wrong. So, uh, but the, the term of right the, that's meant in this translation is really more like a ship that's been, you know, leaning over, it needs to right itself. So when it rights itself, it doesn't go to one way. It actually has to go back and forth because it's on the ocean, which is never f stops. That's great. Oh, water always moves. <laughs> so the ship is always kind of like righting itself constantly. Uh, but unfortunately, that, that concept is, I think, overridden by our cultural that has taught us there's only one way. So uh, I guess I'd say there's, it is helpful for me to think about it in terms of wise effort um, and, uh, and to be more um, sublime and subtle about it. Um, and I guess the only other thing is that it, is, uh, it has to be the wise effort that works for you because you're the only one making that decision. Even if it's a group decision, it's your part in it. So people talk about, like in a group process, about how they're going to decide when they talk about why they made a decision. They say, oh, so-and-so, when you said such-and-such, such, that really made sense to me. That's why I decided to vote such-and-such. And, such. Hmm. and so uh, uh, I only say that because uh, so much... Like the previous speaker said, it did help to let go of everybody else's instructions about how they succeeded <laughs> and uh, to be your own coach. Thank you. Oh, there's um, Lydia. Lydia. Um, something that occurred to me during our small group discussion was that one thing I love about this space is that um, everyone consciously cultivates an effort to have less effort in the discourse and that we're encouraged to just take in what people say and not have crosstalk. Um, I often feel a pressure, whether it's in like um, social situations or academic discourse or professional discourse, that you know, we have to come up with a response to what someone has said. We either need to validate what they've said or challenge what they've said, um, maybe share our own experience. Uh, and that I, I love being able to let go of that, and I've been experimenting with letting go of that outside of this space, and it's been very enjoyable. I was um, going to... This what Tiffany shared. I'd not heard the analogy before of a ship on the ocean, and it really works for me. And in um, taking it in, I remember how often I can become surprised in, and shocked. Um, and one way that this suggests to me that I can let go of that because that's not helpful to the to efforting as we want to use it here is thinking of the similar pendulum. And being, you know, when pendulums swing, it inevitably swings back. It inevitably overcorrects. And so allowing this body to become less surprised and shocked and more accustomed to, ah, this is a law of the universe, um, and relaxing into that. Um, so thank you. That was really helpful. I feel like we're all answering this question kind of the same way. And what's kind of occurred to me as we were discussing this, and it's very easy for me to get caught in all this not metaphysical, but we get to talk very high level, right effort, wise effort, and get really caught up in that. And it's really kind of just beginner's mindset, like giving yourself a pass. And I talk a lot about this with my clients, but 
Um, there's a cartoon show for kids. And there's this great line. I'll share this. Uh, Jake the dog tells his buddy that the first step of getting kind of good at something is kind of sucking. And so you have to give yourself that pass. And that's the effort. Because if you look at someone who's like Gil, effortlessly meditating, and it might be a lot harder for us, or Steph Curry, effortlessly dribbling and making a three. But if we go out and try and dribble a basketball around, right, we're going to be terrible. And it's, that's how you have to start. So.